Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. This is your host, Michael Gregson, and really excited to have the guest that I have with me today, uh, Mr. Joe Schmidt from Minnesota. And I am really thrilled to have Joe with me today. Um, I was connected to Joe actually just recently uh, by a past guest, um, Coach Jim Johnson, and I'm going to call him Coach for the rest of my life. Absolutely love him, but he, when we finished the podcast, we talked for a second and he said, you know, I've got a couple of people that I really think you should have on your show. And Joe, he reached out to you, connected us and, and I, I shot you an email and you responded instantly. And um, I, I, after looking up your information, you know, obviously that Minnesota connection that I have growing up there while well, living there for a few years when I was little, um, I was pretty excited about that. But then I hopped on and I noticed, man, this is a gentleman who devotes his life to, first of all, you've had a phenomenal career, um, but you devote your life to giving back to others and a lot of service. Um, so I, I'm going to read a little bit of a bio uh, for you, Joe, before we get going here. Okay. Um, but on the podcast uh, today is a man who has had a front row seat at some of the greatest sport events in the last 30 years, which includes my 1987 champion twins when i was there awesome he has interviewed the biggest names covered the biggest events and turned and turned in some of the biggest expense accounts in tv history joe has won 18 emmy and numerous awards for his community service he's the author of two books silent impact stories of influence through purpose and persistent um excuse me silent impact stories of influence through purpose persistence and passion Brace yourself for impact. Please welcome Joe Schmidt. All right. Here's Thank Joe. you, Michael. Yes. Take it away. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's great to be here. And I'm, uh, and I'm really happy that uh, Jim Johnson connected us because uh, he's my coach, too. Uh, you know, just an <laughs> inspirational guy. And, uh, you know, I always think there are people in the world who get it. And uh, Jim's the kind of guy who gets it because uh, he gives a lot of himself. And, uh, you know, the, one of the big secrets of people who give it themselves is that they end up, they don't realize it, but they're actually being kind of selfish because whenever you give it yourself, you get so much in return. And I have yet to meet a miserable person who gives it themselves. So, uh, you know, you are who you hang out with and I'll hang out with Jim Johnson any day of the week. As will I. So hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to roll in the same circles for a while, Joe. 
But I love I love what you said there. I I just got to say that again real quick because you 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 mentioned that in that little short questionnaire I send that you know giving of yourself is actually kind of selfish. You don't think of it that way, but you do. You get so much more in return when you give of yourself. And I love that you brought that up already uh, in the show. So thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. Appreciate that. So tell us, I, you know, I, obviously you've had a phenomenal career and I know you're working um, with big brothers, big sisters. Uh, Tell me what, tell me what your role is currently. Do you sit on the board? What do you do for big brothers, big sisters? Yeah, I'm I'm not as active as I once was. I've been the board president. I, I ran a charity golf tournament. I'm, I'm a local television sports anchor in the Twin Cities uh, at KSTP TV, the ABC affiliate, and I have been for uh, 30 plus years. And uh, at some point, I got involved. I got involved with the Big Brothers actually before I was even there. Uh, first okay. as a Big Brother, and I saw the impact that it had. And then when I when I got to the Twin Cities, I got involved again and ended up getting on the board. And I started the charity golf tournament that ran for 16 years to raise a lot of money and awareness for this uh, great organization. And, um, and so, so I got very involved in it and we, we ran that tournament for 16 years and it was time to, it was time to change. So we, we shifted to other things, but uh, you know, I still stay involved. I, whenever they call, I answer the call and, and, and try to help out. I've done a lot of other things. My wife and I raised a lot of money for a local food shelf, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm on uh, several advisory boards, and I just I just uh, try to never say no. Um, I realize that that um, I have a platform in the Twin Cities; people know who I am. So why not use it to help out uh, other people and other charities? And uh, in turn, like I said before, it, it helps you out. Uh, most of my great friends in the world I have met uh, through working in in nonprofits and charities and so forth because. You, you end up meeting people who give it themselves. You end up giving people who have the it factor where they, the world doesn't revolve around them. The world revolves around everybody else and they're just a piece of it. And uh, so, that, so that's why it was always easy for me to get involved. Um, yes, it does take some time and yes, it does take some sacrifice. And sure, there are times when maybe it's not glamorous, but, but uh, you know what? Uh, I'll go back to what I said. The more you get involved, the, the, the more things that come back to you in a positive way. So true. Kind of what you, what you put out comes back to you almost tenfold. And, um, you know, I, I, there's so, there's so much, even just around that idea right there that, that we could, there's so many questions I could ask you right there and, and directions we could go with that. I, I think real quick, what are you, are you still an active anchor for the news channel right now? Yep. Yes, I am. I've, uh, I, I still am. And I've been working from home. So I've been uh, I've been broadcasting <laughs> actually from my man cave. Um, yes. so, so that's been kind of fun. It's been different. Um, I, I had a, a bout with cancer a few years back. So I'm in an at risk category. So I take it pretty easy during this COVID, uh, this COVID thing. And, um, and, and that's been an interesting thing, too. But I'm also a, a professional speaker and an author. I've uh, I kind of uh, on the go quite a bit. Obviously, the things slowed down during the pandemic, but um, it's just uh, a friend of mine. A friend of mine uh, by the name of Mike McKinley, another speaker, used to tell me, uh, "Use what you got to get what you want," and, uh, and I always remember that. And uh, I think that's that's true. Use the skills you have. Use everybody has something special. I use it to get what you want. And, and a lot of times that's just happiness and fulfillment and making connections and acknowledging people. Those things really at the end add up. 
I, you know, I, um, along with what you said, I, th- that whole it factor, that whole it idea. Um, when, when coach Jim, um, sent the email and connected me and you, and I jumped on, I jumped on your, you know, I jumped on LinkedIn to see your profile and, and I, I started to recognize who you were. I thought, Oh, this, this gentleman doesn't have time for me. <laughs> you know, that's, it's kind of that idea, but, but what's interesting, um, Joe is, is, how fast you responded to me. And I believe it was the second email you sent to me. You said, let's do this. And you, you were all in. And, and I think you kind of caught my vision in, in trying to do something that helps people. I, you know, I, I get a lot more out of these podcasts than, than I can ever put into it myself, but I learn a ton and, and people, everybody's got a story. It's a beautiful story. And um, the, your willingness to just go forward and, and that whole idea of saying yes, you know, you had no idea who you were talking to and what you were getting into, but, but you were all for it as soon as you kind of caught the vision. And I just, I have a lot of gratitude uh, to you for that. And it also, that's very inspiring to me because that's, Joe, that's the kind of guy that I want to be. And to see you and, and another gentleman like uh, coach do that. Um, and I've, I have other people in my life that do that as well, but, but, but that's, thank you for shining that light for me and, and showing me that, you know, here's a gentleman that has a lot of opportunity to speak and, and to, to influence people and groups. And you made time for me, you know, on a Saturday morning, getting you up way too early. Uh, you made time for me and, I, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Can, can we, I, I kind of want to transition into okay. what got you to the point in your life right now, Joe, where you see life the way that you do, what got you to the point where you now look at life and you say, I want to give, I want to give of myself. What makes me happy is, is touching others and helping them grow and, and seeing them light up. What, what got you there? Well, you know, I, I think we all want to be continual learners and, and self-improvement people because, you know, believe me, I'm not perfect. I'm not always perfect. I never have been perfect. And, and I had to develop a long, long way. But I think what happens is when you live life and you get through some adversities, it, it changes you. Um, and my father died when I was 25 years old. And, and when I look back at my life, that probably was a turning point in my life, um, just because he was a very important person in my life. Um, you know, I idolized him. Uh, he was so good to people. And he was funny. And he was the kind of guy that would light up the room. And everybody left a conversation with my dad feeling better about themselves. And uh, I think after that point, I didn't realize it until a little bit later. As a matter of fact, in my, in my second book, The Impact Blueprint, the dedication I wrote, I wrote to my father, and I think it kind of hit on the head what really, it took me a long time to figure out, but I said uh, to my dad, Elmer Joseph Schmidt, you left us in 1983, but in many ways I've spent every day since then trying to make you proud. And uh, that had such an impact on me. And the thing I, I found really interesting, at, you know, about my dad is, you know, to this day, my dad has been gone years, you know, to this day, every once in a while, someone will bring up my dad and tell a story about my dad and the impact he had. Thus, I became, I started researching people who make an impact on life. And the next thing I knew, I've written books on it. I, I speak on it all over the country. I, I, you know, Fortune 500 companies, associations, leadership groups, kids. And it, it resonates with people because ultimately, I think, if we really want to have happiness and fulfillment, what kind of impact are you making on, on this world? You know, how can you how can your influence affect people in a positive way? 
And so, so that had a big impact on me. And then as you know, as you go through life, you know, I got married, I've got a, you know, a wonderful wife who's a extremely positive person. So I surround myself with positive people, uh, three great kids. Um, I, I went through a bout of cancer, um, 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously when you go through a, a medical situation like that, you know, you, you also take stock. I don't think that changed my, my life as much as it just amplified my purpose. Um, because I think it was more, I was getting there because of my dad and the impact my dad had, and I was getting there as you grow and evolve as a person. But I think it just amplified that, you know, tomorrow's not promised to any of us. So you better do it now. Um, as you were, as you were talking, it was interesting, um, going into this, um, we all have New Year's resolutions. When I speak, I, I talk about doing impact resolutions. Every month, you take a value or a trait, you concentrate on that for the month. You, know, you put a sticky mm. note. You know, mine this month is focus. I put a sticky note on my desk, and that's what I that's what I concentrate on the month. And now next month, I'll put another. It might be respect. It might be communication. So I I teach this when I when I speak, but I decided this year to have an overarching theme to my year. You know, because if you do a New Year's resolution, by now you're probably done with it. You know, you're going to work out, you're going to eat healthier, all these things you're going to do. <laughs> but but I think if you work on your value system and change your mindset, it can change. So this year, my overarching theme was to show up, show up in friendship, show up in relationships, show up in conversations, uh, show up where you're not supposed to be. And, um, you know, Woody, Woody Allen once that said, uh, 80% of life is showing up. And I think he was right. You know, just sometimes you just have to show up. And, um, you know, you can't be talking to people when you're on your phone. You, know, you can't be talking to people while you're looking at your phone. You know, look them in the eyes. You know, listen with your, listen with your eyes, not your ears. Um, things like that. So that's, I want to be all in uh, this year on that. So I think it's, I think it's an evolution, Michael. I think that, uh, I, I think if we're all, true to ourselves, we should all try to improve, uh, continual improvement. But I think we also all got to realize that we all make mistakes. We all wish we had moments we could do over again, but learn from them. Somebody the other day said to me, it's not a test. It's a classroom. We're here to learn and grow. And I, and I stopped and I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Because as a classroom, that's what it is. It's that opportunity to make a mistake and instead of feeling like a failure and quitting and and bringing shame into your life because you didn't measure up you know we do that a lot where we expect perfection out of ourselves that first time but we make a mistake and if we view it as a classroom then we give ourselves a little mercy and grace and say that's okay you know it's okay that i made a mistake that helps me learn that helps me grow and, and i can get better I love showing up. And, and I, I would say, Joe, probably one of the themes that I find the most in interviewing the people that I've interviewed, this is my 25th interview, is show up. Through all the stories that I've heard, the one shining thing is everybody kind of goes through their darkest spots in their life or really comes to finding themselves is they had somebody else show up for them or they started showing up for somebody else. And all of a sudden, it's like their mind just expanded and they, and they started to understand the connection that we have and the importance of doing that for people in their lives. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Let's, let's talk about your dad for a minute. You were 25 when he passed away. Were, yeah. were, was your dad your best friend? Um, you know, we had six kids in the family. So, you know, I, I, I don't think my dad was my best friend. Um, my dad was my dad. 
my, my dad was, so I grew up, <laughs> I tell people I grew up in a bar and that explains a lot of things. Uh, my dad, my, my dad ran a, a bar in Seymour, Wisconsin, a very small town near the American Legion Club. And, uh, you know, so every morning when I woke up, the first thing I had to do is uh, clean the bottle chute, uh, get empty the bottle chute and, and do some chores around the bar to help the bar get ready for the, uh, for the, for the day. But, but my dad had this magnetic personality where uh, everybody felt like they were his best friend. You know, that's, I mean, it was amazing when I remember when my dad died, I was like standing there and everybody would come, come across. And I think my dad had 30 best friends. <laughs> you know, that, that was the kind of guy he was, but it was, it was very, it was very funny. And he was just, um, he was far from perfect. He was far from perfect. I think sometimes when we lose people, uh, when they're young, um, you know, we end up putting them up on a pedestal. My dad should be on a pedestal, but at the same time, I think we got to realize that there were mistakes he made and there were moments I'm sure he wanted back too. But ultimately, you know, it, he was a net giver. You got two kinds of people you meet in your life. Somebody who says, hi, how you doing? How can you help me? Or hi, how you doing? How can I help you? you know, my dad was a ladder. That was, that was just the, the way he was. And, um, so it was easy to admire and emulate the, yeah, that trait in him. Um, it, it's very interesting. I, I learned something. I'm going to kind of cut open a vein here a little bit. Um, I, I lost my mother uh, five years ago. She was 84 years old and, and lived a wonderful life. But in a way, I still grieve my dad more than I grieve my mom. And I think it's because my mom saw my life. You know, my mom knows my wife. She knows my kids. They, my kids love her. But they love you know back and forth. Yeah, my dad never got to do that. And it was just interesting because it really hit me, uh, you know, after my mom died. Not that I wasn't sad or it went through all the emotions that we normally do. I feel satisfied in, in knowing that she lived a great life and she had happiness and fulfillment. But like I said, she got to see the greatest thing in the world. You're a parent. You know this. I'm a parent. The greatest thing in the world is watching your kids blossom and grow. Okay. She got to see that. And then she got to know her grandkids and she got to know her people. So... I like it when things like that, once in a while, when you look back at it, kind of surprise you. That surprised me. That surprised yeah. me. I can still get sad. I can still get more sad about my dad than my than my mom uh, leaving. Yeah. And, you know, so I lost my father. I was 27 when I lost my father to, to brain cancer. And um, I, I kind of understand what you're saying there. And, Joe, you and I are very similar. You know, the line that you said that in the in the book, as you dedicated the book to your father, you said, I'm going to work to show you, you know, to prove every day, um, to do something that, to show you, uh, you know, I, I forget exactly the wording that you, but basically to make you proud of me to like, yeah, to like yeah. show you that I'm living a good life. And, and I feel that way about my dad. And, and, um, I, I think that happens when you lose somebody at an early age that is so important in your life. And I'm sorry that you lost your mom recently too. Thanks. Tell me your dad, let's, let's, uh, with your dad, you, you talk about like how you get it. You kind of say it, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, did, what did your dad have? Why did everybody walk away and go, God, he's my best friend. I love this guy. I think my dad was a good listener. Um, now, my dad was a very funny guy, uh, a great one-liners. Uh, you know, he had this magnetic personality. But in order to carry on a conversation, you have to be a better listener than you are at, at talking. And, uh, and my dad would ask the one more question. You know, I used to I used to always say when my dad was in the bar, uh, people would stay for one more drink than they had planned on. <laughs> and, yeah. and now that's that's not necessarily a politically correct thing to do. But but I think they stayed just because they wanted to hang around him for another drink. And uh, um, 
but but that that was that was the way it was. Um, so so I think that when I even going back to when I said to show up, I think part of showing up is listening better, and part of showing up is asking one more question, not just how you doing today. Hey, the weather's bad. You know, get down and and really find out what's going on. You know. What's keeping you awake at night? You know, what's your big project you're working on? How can I help you with this? Um, I think that was that was just about that was just about it. And then and then, like I said earlier, I said I think there's something to be said about givers and takers in the world, and and people when you're done having a conversation with them. I mean, we all have these people in our life we have a conversation with. We walk away saying, "Oh God, that wasn't fun," or you walk away from the conversation. Um, I just talked to a guy the other day and it was, uh, uh, he's another speaker, he's a friend of mine. And he said, you know what my grandma used to say? She said, you edify me <laughs> with, your, with your presence in your conversation. I thought, well, that's a good thing. Maybe we should all try to edify everybody. I had to look it up, but it's a good term. <laughs> I like it. Maybe, maybe that's next month's, uh, you probably have your whole year ready month by month what your values are, but maybe that's next month's value, Joe, is edify. There we go. I like it. I love it. My 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 father similar. Um, I remember when he was in the thick of his cancer, and 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 he only had his cancer for about ten months. And people would come and stop by the house to visit him, and and they knew how serious it was, and they they'd come to visit him. And and you know when you go visit somebody that that is that sick, you kind of go with the the mentality that I want to just I want them to know I love them, and I want to uplift them. I want to edify them, right? And it, what was always amazing to me is as people would leave our home, the smiles on their face were huge. And, and I, I learned later on the reason why is because they thought they were coming to uplift my dad, but he actually uplifted them and he made them feel edified when, when they came around him. And I, and I, I understand what you're saying with that it factor. It's to me, it's, it's, you know, you, you talk about asking one more question and, and I, I, I see people that, that really engage and listen. They ask a lot of questions. And to me, that's a, that's a, that's a sense of love or, or charity or concern for somebody beyond you just thinking about yourself. When you're thinking about yourself, you do have a tendency in a conversation to look at somebody as like, you see them as a clock and you're like, well, are they wasting time in my life or a dollar sign? How can I get something from this person? What are you going to do for me? Kind of, as you mentioned earlier. So I, I, I just, I love that idea and I appreciate you sharing that with us. So talk to me more about impact. And as you go and you you speak to these thousands, you know, you've been to over a thousand speaking um, engagements as a as a keynote speaker. What tell me what impact means to you? Like, what do you try and and share with your your listeners? Well, first of all, um, I I'm a storyteller because I feel if I can connect with the audience emotionally, I can connect with them intellectually. So I will tell some stories and I'm going to take you on a roller coaster ride. I'm going to make you laugh. I might make you get emotional, but I'm going to take you on a, a roller coaster ride by telling some really strong stories about people who make an impact. And we've researched this. And in our research, we found out that we make our biggest impressions when we're not trying to be impressive. So these people who have this impact gene in their DNA, it's the little things. It's not always the big things. And it's a lot of times things that you do that you don't even realize that you've made an impact on somebody. And then it comes back to you in a different way. And sometimes it doesn't come back. But when you give it yourself, you know, when you realize that it's uh, making an impact is not about people liking you. Uh, 
It's about people liking themselves. And if you're the person that helps make that happen, you've made that impact. And I think part of it is being being genuine um, and also acknowledgement. Um, the, the one thing that I, I stress also, especially the leaders, I said, you know, to leaders, I said, if you're worried about the profit loss statement, you know, you might have a successful business, but, you know, you're going to struggle. If, if you worry about your people first, the profit loss statement is going to be fine because people who work for a company, for anybody, they want three things. They want to work for a successful company or organization, because especially now in today's day and age, when businesses are here today, gone tomorrow, they want to work for a place they know is going to be there tomorrow. Secondly, they want to work hard and realize their hard work is going to pay off. You know, there, there's a, as a company grows, they have a chance to grow. And the third thing is they want to work for a company that is truly cares about the people they hire and the community they serve and doesn't just do it with buzzwords and doesn't just do it with, well, I guess we better have another corporate event that they truly actually do it that way. And when you put those three together, you have a much better chance of having a high performance team because your culture of the company is going to be good. You know, there are seven different generations in the workplace right now working. And you hear all the time about the generational issues, Gen X, Gen Y, the baby boomers, you know, how do we communicate with these people? They're not like we were, whatever. And I say, you know what? I said, we all have one thing in common. It doesn't matter if you're eight or you're 80. The one thing we all have in common is people want to be acknowledged. They want to know that they have value, that their contribution is valued. And as a leader or as a person, if you want to make an impact, acknowledge people, you know, reward progress, pat them on the back, find out what's going on. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of the companies where I'd look at the CEO or whoever, the sales VP, I'd, I'd look at them and I said, let me show me, show me your schedule. And they'd show the schedule. It was just locked full every day. And I said, okay. I said, every day you're going to put down 15 minutes for acknowledgement. You're going to go around. You might acknowledge one person. You might acknowledge 10. It might be a phone call. It might be a text. It might be reaching out. Schedule it yourself. You're getting overscheduled. And because of that, you got a blind eye. You get busy. You walk past people without even saying hi. You know, this is not the way to run a successful business. And it really, really works. It, it, it just really, really works. I, I've, had, you know, I've had some people call me back later and say, thank you. you know, I had a blind eye to this. And uh, um, you know, I, think, I think that's what happens sometimes. We get so busy and our goal is success. Well, success is pretty empty if, if you don't have happy people around you doing it. Yeah. Hi. So I, I love that. And I, and I relate to that so much and, and working for Marriott, um, it took me a long time in my life to figure out what I wanted to do for my career. Um, you know, I grew up LDS. And so the idea is when you're LDS, you go on a mission at 19 years old. I, I served a mission in Indiana and that's kind of on, to be honest with you, Joe, when you're born LDS, you know, you, you know, for, for young men that you're going to probably serve a mission. Um, that's, that's kind of as far into your life as you really look. I mean, I, I, I thought I was going to play in the NBA. That didn't happen. Um, yeah, I, I stopped growing at five ten and, and stopped jumping <laughs> higher than about 12 inches. Right. But, um, I, 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 for the longest time, I didn't know what to do. And, and I always gravitated towards sales because I love people. I just love, I love people. I, I, I want to connect. I want to, I want to, I want to get to know them. I want, and, and like you said, I, I have this thing about me where I just want people to feel better about themselves. And maybe that's because I've 
I was so hard on myself growing up and I don't want anybody else to feel that way. Um, one of the things that Bill Marriott talks about uh, is, is exactly what you just said. And, and I, as I found, as I grew into my life and I recognized that I don't love just this idea of selling that doesn't feed my soul, but now I sell something that is service. I, I'm, I work in hotels. I sell big events and, and, I sell space. I sell bedrooms and pillows. I mean, come on, like I'm not changing the world, but, but I'm working with people and I, and I get to know people and it's all about the relationship. And so to me, it's a totally different kind of a sell because it's service. And that has brought me a lot of joy in my life because I see it so differently. And what, what Bill Marriott talks about is you take care of your people first. Um, take care of your people they'll take care of your guests and the guests will keep coming back. But, but if you're a general manager or if you're a vice president, if you're anybody that has any type of leadership responsibility, put your people first, take care of them first and, and do exactly what you said, acknowledge them, right? Take that time to acknowledge them, make them feel value. And they'll do the same thing to your guests who will then keep coming back to, to Marriott. And that's where the loyalty is built from. And obviously it, it went from a root beer stand a long time ago, as you know, to, to now the biggest hotel industry in the world. And thank goodness we survived COVID so far anyway. But um, I love that idea of, of acknowledging. Can you, can you think back to a time in your life where somebody that you looked up to or, or somebody really came in and gave that to you that really sparked um, just that feeling of value within you? Is there, is there a specific time that you can recall where somebody did that for you? Uh, yes, there is. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, my high school football coach, uh, Coach Collar, he's, a, he's in the Wisconsin High School Football Coaches Hall of Fame, and he's, he's in my Hall of Fame. Actually, he's on my Mount Rushmore. Well, we can talk yeah. about that a little bit later. Um, I was a, a senior in high school, and uh, I could have gone either way. I was kind of at the crossroads. I could have gone with the, the cool gang that, that partied and had a good time, or I could have gone with the you know, going the positive way and kept playing sports and, and use what I had to get what I want. And, uh, after my, uh, after prom, you know, senior prom, uh, I came back and I had a couple of hickeys. <laughs> Not even sure how you get them anymore, but back then yeah. I knew. And, uh, and there was a letterman's club meeting and he was the, he was the you know teacher who did the letterman's club. And after the meeting, he, he said, Schmidt, you're staying after. And I was like, oh, no, now what did I do? And uh, he hauled me into the gymnasium. And all the lights were off, only the exit lights in the, in the corner, you know, corners of the gym, the small gym, small high school. And we sat right at center court on the hardwood floor. And he said, Schmidt, he said, uh, it, uh, he, he had basically come to Jesus talk with me. He, he basically said, you're, you're going to blow it. You're going to blow it. You got so much potential to do so many things in your life. You're you're a leader. You don't know it. You you are going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to go to college. You're going to do this. And uh, and anyway, um, he was the first person that ever said you're going to go to college. He was the first person I think who believed in me. I mean, and this is nothing against my upbringing, but the family I came with, nobody went to college. You know, yeah. none, of my, none of my brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nobody in my entire extended family had ever gone to college and uh, it was you know you went maybe went to a trade school or you learned something or you 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 found a good factory to work for that that was the way you know my family had done it for years 
when he told me I was going to college, from that minute I was going to college. As a matter of fact, I went to his college, and um, wow. and it it changed it changed my mindset, it changed my perspective. Um, fast forward now a few years, and this is what I always like because I always think that when I tell impact stories, what I like to do is then do the research as a reporter to go and, and find out what happened later. So he went on and had a successful career. I went on to college and started my broadcasting career. And I've had a lot of luck and, and you know, had a very fulfilling career. Um, anyway, uh, I got asked to speak at my old high school uh, for the uh, teacher and orientation. Right before school, they brought the entire staff in. And, uh, you know, people, of course, knew me, asked me if I would come in and speak. And, and I did. And um, I waived my fee. And I, I can talk about that later. But, uh, but what, what was interesting is I decided to bring in uh, five of my ex-teachers, including my coach. So when I stood up in front of the audience, uh, you know, and started speaking, I realized that, you know, all the teachers there were 30 years old, or, you know, there were, there were everybody that was younger, all, all yeah. the teachers I had were retired. So I kind of did my whole spiel on impact and telling them ways they can be more impact and telling the stories. And then I, and I went down and I said, I have some special guests here. And one by one, I went down every teacher and talked about the impact that that person had on my life. And of course I told the coach collar story and uh, it, it was, it was really powerful because then I, I would turn to them and I said, don't go through the motions. You know, when you're, yeah, keep your eyes and your ears open because you never know when you're going to be that person who's going to help that kid find his purpose or her purpose. You never know when you're going to be that person, that, you know, who, who helps that person through a tough day. And, um, and I know it inspired people because I've heard back from people. And um, so it, that was a, that was a big moment. And, uh, you know, to this day, I'm, you know, in contact with my coach we're, we're Facebook friends. Um, you know, recently I, uh, I lost a, a friend of mine that was a good athlete. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was a, he was an all-American shot putter at the University of Wisconsin. And you know, we were oh, high wow. school, high school buddies and graduates. And my coach, Coach Collar, coached him. So, you know, we reconnected on a very personal level on on that one recently too. But, uh, um, you know, it's it's interesting when you start looking at impact, Michael, and, and you'll start seeing it in every single phase of your life. Who had an impact on you? Why did they have an impact on you? How can you em emulate the way they did it? And it really is an awareness and an intentionality that you have to have. And I think that people who make it part of their DNA are just a little bit better at that. And uh, that's all I'm trying to do is to get a little better at it myself and help people get a little better at it. So, so tell me, is there, when, when you wake up in the morning, is there, is there something that you do to try and put this thing on the forefront of your mind as you go throughout your day? Well, um, you know, I, I think my impact resolution helps me. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I put a sticky note. Um, I used to have it in my mirror to bet in the bathroom. So first thing you see and the last thing you see, but now I just kind of have it in my, my office. So I really, I, I realize that that's my impact resolution because it really, really works when you think about, you know, I'm going to this week, I'm going to focus. And then underneath I said, do not get distracted because I'll start a project or I'll start something. And all of a sudden, you know, Squirrel. You get distracted by an email. Yeah, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like a dog. But uh, so, so I think that helps me. You know, I yeah. think that 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 certainly motivates me. And and then the other the other thing is, you know, we um, we all have our to do list. And um, 
I've gotten try I've gotten very disciplined on this, and I think this really really helps. Is we all have that to do list. I do the worst thing on the list first. We all have that thing we don't want to do. It might be a tough phone call. It might be working out. It might be a project you got to finish up. It might be a contract you got to write. Whatever it is, it's the one thing you don't want to do. Do that first, and then that helps you the rest of the day. Knock out the hard thing first, and then yeah. and then you got a you got a great day ahead of you. Yeah, the rest of it's gravy after that because then the yeah. other things on your list you can knock off. It's fun. So tell me about this Mount Rushmore that you have. Well, as I was doing research and, and writing my my first book, um, I started thinking, you know, how can we, you know, how can we be more aware and intentional with the impact that we have uh, with each other? So, excuse me, I'm going to work for the people who are watching. I thought, you know, how how can we? So I came up with the idea if we could all build our own Mount Rushmore of influence. So if you could put build your own monument to the four people who had the biggest impact in your life, if you could fill in these blanks under Mount Rushmore, who would be on there and why would they be there? And it's a really good exercise and actually it ended up being a great team building exercise. The first thing I tell people is you can't put your parents down because that's an easy two to put on there. I really want you to think about this. I want you to think about different phases in your life. You know, who helped you in your career? Who helped you through a tough time? Who maybe set you straight when you needed to be set straight? And and people will write down, write down the, the Mount Rushmore. And then depending on the presentation or how long I have people, I will have people discuss it amongst themselves. And then people will volunteer stories to the room. My second book has about five or six stories of people telling me about their Mount Rushmore, people on their Mount Rushmore, because... You know, that, that's how cool it is. And, um, and what it does is it helps people understand where other people come from a little bit. Like people, people who know you, Michael, maybe didn't know you lost your father early. Or maybe you're working with somebody who's kind of difficult. And all of a sudden you find out they lost a parent early. So now you've got a little more empathy and a little more feeling for them. Or maybe they had something traumatic in their life that you didn't know about. So the more you know about people, the better chance you have to make a stronger connection. Um, the other thing that I found out this, cause this thing was kind of a gamble when I did it. Cause I thought, you know, are, are people going to a be honest? Are people going to think about it? And, uh, I find a lot of buy-in on it and, um, it, it, it works out real good. And where my, where I had a really big opening one day was I did a leadership uh, conference for 100 high schools, 100 high schools, uh, sent, um, two leaders to this day and their parents came too. So I had the kids in the morning. So I worked with the kids in the morning and one of the things we did was the Mount Rushmore. Then I worked with the parents in the afternoon and it was great to work with the parents because you could see how come some of their kids were leaders because they were just natural leaders themselves. Yeah. And then I brought them all together at night. And at night, one of the exercises we did is I had the kids compare their Mount Rushmore to their parents. And afterwards, after the whole session was done, I had a line of 20 kids over here and a line of 20 parents over here. And the kids were saying, thank you. I learned more about my mom and dad today than I did my entire 17 years on this earth. And on the other side, parents were saying, thank you for this today. I learned more about my kid today than their first 17 years on earth. And I was like, I love it. Wow. wow. So, you know, one of the things I do when I do a Mount Rushmore is I encourage this. Next time you get your family together, I do your Mount Rushmore. You, know, you might find out you will find out something about 
people you live with, <laughs> you know, you will find out something about what makes them tick. You know, you know, why, why does this person admire um, a friend or there's a teacher that you might've heard them talk about, but you don't know the story behind the story. And um, it's, it's really a great way of making deeper and more meaningful connections. And, and gosh, I mean, if there's a time in the world where we need that right now, or, or th that we've ever needed that, it's right now with the coronavirus and the, the disconnect that we have, you know, and I come from a strong family and, and even the disconnect, you know, my mother never has not been, has never been remarried and, and she's, she's over 60. And, and so she's very concerned about her health and who comes around her and, and is, is awesome as technology is and as connected as it keeps us, there's, there's still a disconnect there. So as, as you're telling me about Mount Rushmore, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to go take this to my family. And instead of a game night, we're going to play, Hey, tell us about your Mount Rushmore, who's on it and why. I think that is an awesome thing. It, um, it's really, it's really, it can be fun. And it's, um, you know, some of the things you get back are amazingly powerful, amazingly yeah. powerful. Yeah. So cool. Um, so I hope you're okay with me taking that idea and using it in my family. No, please do. Please do. Yeah. So I, you know, you've shared so much, so many things that I, I mean, we could talk about for a long time. You could, you could have probably a, another five or six books out of this conversation just on topics. Um, <laughs> you, you could write a ton, but anyway, um, I, I just have some, I, I think I've, I've had you long enough this morning and, and I just want to say thank you. And I could talk to you all day, but um, I don't want to take your time and, I have a few more questions for you. I think, I think yep. Joe, give me, give me the funnest, the funnest um, experience you've ever had reporting on sports. Can you, is there something that's just like, man, that was so fun. Oh, you're going to appreciate this, Michael. Yeah. Because you were here in, in Minnesota. Now I've covered world series, super bowls, final fours, the masters, um, yeah, Little League World Series. I mean, I've been I've been everywhere and I consider myself very lucky because I grew up a huge sports fan. You know, this is what I wanted to do. Speaking about an impact, you know, I had, you know, somebody told me, you know, Schmidt, with your with your big mouth and your love of sports, you ought to become a sportscaster. And boom, I was like, there you go. Sportscaster. <laughs> and, and really, and that and that's that that kind of became my my goal from that point on. You know, I hope that but, person ended up on your Mount Rushmore because that's yes, bad. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I'm always unsure of who did it. I can't remember exactly who said it, but I do remember the, the moment, which is, yeah. which is kind of strange. But so 1987, when the Minnesota Twins um, won the World Series, they, they, they beat Detroit in the American League Championship Series. And we got back from Detroit, was with the team. And um, the last thing we wanted to do was work after you got off the airplane. Well, <laughs> well, um, the twins decided to put a homecoming together at the old Metrodome. And anyway, uh, so I hurried and got to, got to the Metrodome. We're going to go live. We're going to do this. And uh, at first there's like 10,000 people there. And I said, boy, this is going to be kind of lame. Well, by the time the, by the time the twins got there, there were 60,000 people there. There was nobody telling the fans when they had to cheer. There was no noiseometer. There were, you know, no PA system playing music to get the fans pumped up. The twins came in, they opened up the garage door, the twins came walking out. And you just, my, my line at the time was, uh, Ben Franklin would not need a kite and a key to find electricity in this building. 
it was just amazing. It, I, you know, funny here, you know, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. That that's how cool it was. Players were crying. Uh, they could not believe, you know, how the fans appreciated them so much. Um, it was emotional. It was heart. You know, it was really, it was so genuine. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, this twins are going to win the world series. You know, they're going to figure out a way to win the world series just because of what these fans have brought to them. Then of course the Homer Hankies became a thing. And um, it was, it was just amazing. But what I liked about that the most was there was no, nothing prefab about it. You know, that was, that was genuine, you know, like I, like I said, nowadays you go to a sporting event and it's, it's scripted like a movie, you know, in the, on the first intermission, we're going to play this song and then this commercial, and then we're going to tell people to stand up and then we're going to do the Macarena. Then we're going to, you know, <laughs> you know, now it, that, that thing was just 100% organic. And uh, so that, that wasn't even a sporting event, but it really oh, was, awesome. it really was the greatest one. And, you know, and I was at the Minneapolis miracle and I was at, you know, the 91 world series championship, which was one of the great ones of all time. You know, so I've, I've been to a lot of different things, but that was the one that stands out. Uh, that's it, I mean, it's amazing what, what sports and athletes and their effort can do for the soul of a city and people within the city, it gives people hope and, I mean, I, I, I remember as a young boy feeling like we weren't even a baseball fan to my family. We were basketball fans, you know, and, and I remember just the, there was energy around even little red wing, Minnesota when, when back in 87 and to this day, Kirby Puckett is still one of my heroes. And, and half the time, I don't even know the reason why, but as I, as I learn about him in my life, I'm like, well, that's why people love Kirby so much, you know, what, a, what a great man. And, uh, that thank you for sharing that that's a that's a really neat experience um um tell me uh, two more questions um yeah. this one i i just kind of i thought about this while you were talking um obviously with a lot of a lot of the um things that we're going through right now with the disconnects and and some people just feeling let no value in their lives and and you and, and you and I don't know if we mentioned the podcast or not but suicide rates are higher than they've ever been and I myself became somebody who after a few hard things became an alcoholic and um, almost took my life to the verge of suicide and you talk a lot about you know um, showing up for people and helping people feel their value helping people um, just just giving people a sense of their worth, like making sure they know that they're loved and they are valuable. What can you give us, Joe, maybe an experience or a tip on what about that person that doesn't listen to you the first time that, that, that you love, that you're trying to break through with the person that's really struggling that, that, you know, you, you feel like a failure walking past that first time maybe there's an experience or, or just maybe you've got something like something that you've learned. That's a value that you could share with us. How do we continue to show up for that person? If you will. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. It's a very hard question. And I think that, you know, everybody, every situation is a little bit different and I'm certainly not equipped to tell you the exact answer. I'm equipped to tell you what I've seen and what works, you know, during this pandemic, everybody says, you know, we're all in this together, you know, we're all in the same boat. And I found out that that's not true. <laughs> we're, not, we're not all in the same boat. 
you know, some people's boats are have smooth sailing. Some are in choppy waters. Some people's boats have hit the rocks or are heading toward the rocks. We're in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. But we, what we need to do is find out where people are in their boat. And that's where you can help them out. And I do think it's, I do think it's listening. I do think it's caring. I do think it's asking one more question. I do think it's, you know, making that one more phone call. Um, Cause you never know when that person is really struggling where you can just get them through the next hour. And sometimes it's that pat on the back and sometimes it's just that acknowledgement. And, um, you know, I, I think the other part of it, quite frankly, is being aware, because I think that we all get so busy that we tend to put blinders on. You know, we walk past problems without realizing that there might be a problem or somebody who's hurting right there. So, um, yeah, it's 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 not easy. It's certainly not easy. But I think um, just reach out and uh, I try to make one more impact a day. You know, I tell people, I say, um, you yeah, know, be humble. But, uh, but you know what, to encourage some people, I said, you know, have a little, have a place in your drawer, have a little box. Whenever you do something nice, write it down, throw it in there, write it down, throw it in there, write it down, throw it in there. That's your box. Nobody else sees it. But the times that you're feeling a little bit down, you open up that box and you pull out and say, oh, I did that. Oh, I did that. Oh, I did that. So your self-esteem is going to go up a little bit. You know, it's amazing to me that we hear about um, self-esteem. When, when your teenagers or your kids, you know what? People have self-esteem problems when they're 80. And I think that sometimes we tend to forget that we make self-esteem a teenager issue. <laughs> because yeah, that's but maybe once you that's, achieve it, you're there. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, no, you know, I've, I've talked to some of the most successful people in the world and, and, and self-esteem is an issue. So what drives you? And sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to figure out what drives you, you know, is it fear of failure? Is it fear of disappointing somebody else? Is it you need to, you know, to feel important yourself? Whatever, whatever your motivation is, you know, figure out what that is and and use it, and use it. You know, I, I think I have a fear of failure a little bit, so I've used that in the past, and um, you know, I I think deep down you got to say to yourself, um, you know, ah, some people don't think I can do this. I'm going to prove prove them wrong. So, so I. You know, I think whatever you can figure out to motivate yourself, what works for you, that's perfect. But, uh, but, but getting back to kind of like, how can you, you help those people just show up? And if, if they're not taking your advice, uh, win them with love, win them with love, you know, in, in the TV business, uh, Michael, I'll, I'll get, you know, we'll get viewers who are mad or uh, upset. We covered something or didn't cover something or covered it wrong or didn't do this right. And we will get these emails where people are filled with vile and anger. And uh, I started making it a game. I start writing each and every one of them back, trying to win them over. And I'm going to win them over with love. And it's amazing to me. I, I guarantee it's about a probably 80% success rate that I'll write a nice <laughs> long email explaining myself, apologizing, you were right, whatever. And I'll get it back. Oh, Joe, I was, I was just in a really bad mood at the time. I, I watch you every night. You know, the last one <laughs> was I'll never watch you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so how do you how do you do that? How do you win them? I uh, win them over with love. You know, that's just really cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a that, wow. That's a that's a pretty awesome thing. I can imagine being the guy reading that, going, "Oh no, 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 no! That's not no. You're you're taking this way too personal. That's not what I meant, <laughs> right? 
and then you've got a fan for the rest of your, you know, they're, they're going to watch you the rest of their life and smile going, that's the guy that sent me that email. That was great. Well, it's, um, but it's, but it's also just the opposite too. The, the other learning thing you can, you can learn from that is don't send that email, sleep on it, and then look at it the next day and figure out if you would have sent it. And 99% yeah. of the times you would not have sent it. So yeah. you can respond yeah. two ways, emotionally or intellectually. And when you respond emotionally to an issue, it usually isn't a good result. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my wife, my wife always says, Hey, you need to lower your voice a little bit. I'm like, I'm not yelling. And she's like, yeah, you, you need to lower your voice. I'm like, I'm, but I'm passionate about this thing. I got to talk. And this, so she says, Mike, you're getting passionate again. Calm your passion down. So, um, I love that. What well, that's a really fun idea. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, Last question, and and I and I tend to end a lot of my podcasts this way, and, and we've we've talked a little bit about this uh, today. Um, for you, Joe, personally, tell me, and you don't have to go into detail about what this moment was for you in your life, unless you want to, and maybe it was surrounding the death of your father. Um, but but tell me what the darkest moment, the darkest hour of your life. What is the gift that you received in that moment that has really changed your life for you to this point? You know, I, I think I will, when I look, I'll look at, you know, not just my dad's death, my cancer, you know, some other crises that happened in everybody's life. You know, the one thing, the one thing as a parent, I, I think sometimes we felt, fail to tell our kids is that life can be difficult because there are always challenges and you get hit with things that, you couldn't even dream of. So how are you going to respond to it? Um, and I, I think, I think perseverance is is the greatest trait you can have. Um, the fastest horse doesn't always win the race. The smartest salesperson doesn't always get the sale. The best looking, you know, person or the best athlete doesn't always get named captain. Um, a lot of times it's the people who grind, the people who get up every day and they just persevere. They get, they get through the tough times by showing up every day and grinding. And, you know, I, tell, I, have a, I have a son who a uh, really smart kid and, and uh, you know, we're really proud of him and he's off to a great start in his career. But it's the one thing I tell him. I said, you know, you might walk in the room and be the smartest person in the room because he's blessed with this brain. But I said, you got to grind. You got to grind. That's how you get through it. And, uh, you know, the, you know, I, I grew up outside the Green Bay, Wisconsin. So it's the old Vince Lombardi. Tough times don't last tough people to do, but it is just get up and grind. And, and eventually, even when you, usually when you least expect it, you'll have a breakthrough. That's awesome. Grind, grind, get up and go, just grind it out. Yeah. I, I look back to I look back to times in my life, and with you saying that, that some of the most difficult times of my life, that's exactly what I had to do: just get up and go, and and grind it out. And man, those those the lessons I took away from those moments because of the grind that I put in, amazing. And then there there's a bright spot in my life, like my mission, where I went out and I grinded the whole time, and and willingly and gratefully grinded because I knew I was doing something so good. And that's a shining spot in my life. So whether whether it's a dark time or a good time, if you're grinding and you're doing it, you're putting in the effort and and you're gritty. Um, it's going to be a blessed day. That's awesome. Thank you. Is there anything else that that you 
like to share with, with the listeners just the last little piece of advice or, or anything else that you, you think of right now? Um, I, I think I just go to the, go back to something I kind of hit on a little bit and, you know, don't worry about being perfect. Uh, we all make mistakes and, um, you know, try to figure out ways not to beat yourself up. And, uh, cause I think a lot of people just beat themselves up and, and I always say this, you know, is it going to matter in five weeks? Is it going to matter in five days? Is it going to matter in five minutes? And, and many and many times when you look at it that way, it doesn't. Or, or you look back at it five days later and you think, why was I so upset? We got we got through this okay. Um, and then and then try to learn and grow from it because you know we're all gonna, you know, I live and die by the mouth. I say things sometimes that I wish I wouldn't have said. And I think we all probably do that. But I happen to be in the communication business, so um, you know, you just live and grow by it. And the next time that situation comes up, hopefully it'll be better. Joe, thank you so much. I, I, I mean, what a this has been phenomenal for me. I'm going to listen to this several times. I, there's a lot of things in here that I really truly believe that if if someone will walk away and apply some of these principles, um, even like your the values that you do each month. I mean, these are game changers to me. They they put your mind in the right spot. They give you that vision that you need, and they help you know you know where to where to put that energy of going out and grinding where to put that energy directed to um thank you for thank you for your willingness to just do this with me today it you you've made me feel um pretty excited about just continuing forward with this effort and um you've made me feel like you know people do care about about this message and and what i'm trying to do myself sorry i'm kind of getting emotional but just the way you responded to me. And um, thank you. That, that means a lot to me. I, I want, I want to adopt that a lot more in my life to be more like you. And um, so you, you've got a, a friend for life and, and I'll be someone that, that always looks at you and, and has a lot of appreciation for, for what you showed me in, in us crossing paths. But um, if that's okay, Joe, I, I'd love to share your website. Um, yeah, if anybody wants a keynote speaker, they can obviously come to your website, learn about you. Your website also has your books. Is there is there anything else on the website that people should know about if they want to learn more about you? You know, I've got I've got a few videos on the on the website that people might want to want to look at. Um, what I've done is uh, for some of the clients, I take these impact resolutions and I'll do one every month for them. So I will kind of motivate them. They, the the book the impact blueprint book is actually fifty two impact resolutions. It has. You know, it has things like altruism, acknowledgement, honesty, I mean, every chapter, diversity. They're short little chapters with stories and things you can do to be better at these traits. And there are things that I've learned since I started, you know, speaking professionally. So um, uh, that's one way to do it. But I want to throw it back at you too, Michael. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know, you're you're trying to spread goodness and, uh, you know, spread, spread hope and, uh, we all need a little more hope and goodness these days. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, thanks so much for joining me. And, and I just, this, this just came to me and, but Joe, I just got to say, uh, I can imagine your father looking down on you and um, I'm sure he's just super proud of you. That's I, I love, I love that mentality that you've got of, of making sure that he knows uh, that you love him and, and that you want to make sure that he's proud of the man that you've become and, there's no doubt. I mean, I listen to your words and what you're saying and, and the way that you've patterned your life. 
and you're a man that is really trying your best without perfection. You're, you're trying your best to uplift and give back and, and, and leave, leave a mark in other people's lives that, that helps them on their journey. And, uh, keep, keep going, my friend. Well done. And so nice to meet you. You too, Michael. Thank you. And you keep this podcast going. Thanks, Joe. Have a great day today. And, and we'll chat soon. You're, you haven't heard the last of me. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. See you, my friend. Have a great day. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at delight at gmail.com.